Here I am, Michael Baltiero, with one of my good friends, one of my longtime friends that I've met when I first uh, moved up to the Seattle area from California, Jeff Bourgeois. Uh, Jeff, I've known him for close to 12 years now. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, which just seems to be the pretty common theme with the people I talk with on this podcast. Almost everybody does Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, not only does he do jiu-jitsu, he's a family man, uh, got an awesome family. Uh, him and his wife, Gina, both run an organization called Liberty Events. And what they do is they put on one of the, actually the biggest Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament series in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, when I first started, there was maybe four or 500 competitors on a, on a one day. They grew to having a couple of thousands and it they have their own separate women's divisions, kids' divisions, men's, gi, no gi, you name it. And it goes over the course of two days, and they've outgrown every venue they've ever had the tournament held in. And so I'm really excited that Jeff has agreed to be on here. I've been trying to get him on here for a little bit. Now we've got the time to do it, and I'm really happy he's here. And so without further ado, here's my good friend, Jeff Bourgeois. How are you doing this evening? Hey, Hey, Mike, I'm good, man. Appreciate the opportunity, so thanks. No, thank you, because I, I know you're a busy dude, um, especially right now at these uncertain times and how things are going, and I know, you know, things are just going crazy, and, you know, people are trying to make do with what they have and trying to, you know, get back to some somewhat of a little bit of a normalcy, and, you know, we, man, it's just uh, really, it's really strange nowadays, so it's just, uh, you know, everybody's coping with it differently. Yeah, not normal is the new normal. Exactly. So, uh, first and foremost, um, we talked about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, when I introduced you, but how long have you been training for now? A uh, little more than 19 years. And so, uh, who did you get your start with? Um, I uh, Everything's been with uh, James Foster. So I was like, uh, he was teaching, as a, he was a purple belt, and um, I was... Uh, Started, he was at a karate uh, school and he was teaching there. And my um, my oldest kid wanted to do karate. And I my thing was I was always going to do what my kids wanted to do because for me to hang out with my pop, I had to do what he wanted to do. And I was like, you know, my kids, when I got kids, I'm going to do what they want to do. He wanted to do karate. And, and I did uh, karate in the 80s. So I was like, all right, man, we can do that. And then there was this big dude that was teaching this you know brazilian jiu-jitsu thing and i was like i'm gonna try that so i started with james um and we were training uh on carpet bro at the at the brazilian at the at the karate school um they had carpet at the the first place and it was like me and every big dude that wanted to do brazilian jiu-jitsu in the area would go to uh, any other academy, and they were like, "Oh, my friend, you you're big. You should go see this guy." And they sent him all to James, and it was me. And everybody else was over two bills, and um, I'm not quite that. Yeah, that's the one thing I noticed about James's students when I first came up here is that every person there, about 95 percent of the people who trained under James at the time were lumberjacks. They were big. They were huge. I thought. I was big when I when I walked in. I, I left the school in California, and everybody there was, you know, 
about your size and I'm not saying you're, you're, you're tiny. I'm just saying you're, you're about average height and weight. And that's how everybody I trained with in California was. And I get up here and it's just like, Oh, I got, <laughs> I got my work cut out for me. <laughs> I'm average height and weight for a hobbit, bro. I'm like five, three, a buck 30. It I'm, is what it is, man. I'm trying, I mean, to, be, I'm trying to be nice here, brother. It, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to make you upset. A, <laughs> it, no, I'm, I'm good with it. It's the way I'm made. I'm cool. Yeah, but you know it's funny because people think jujitsu and fighting and size and all that good stuff. It it doesn't matter because I'm not saying this to to brown knows you, but man, you and Hoagland, Jeff Hoagland, who's your you know the the head instructor over at Combat Sport and Fitness. I remember when I first rolled with Hoagland, and uh, he was a purple belt, I was a blue belt, and I was just we're doing all these side control drills, and I'm just tossing everybody off, and James is like, yeah. It's not going to be so easy with this guy. I'm like, dude, he's look how tiny he is. He's like, no, dude, seriously. I'm like, all right. So then Hoagland got on top and he just, just smothered me. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the really cool thing about jujitsu is it, to me is the, the learning how to apply leverage pressure and knowing when to work, when to, you know, when to use that strength and when they just let gravity work and, and use the angle to multiply the effect and few things better to me than being a, a little dude and hearing somebody that's, you know, a lot bigger, make that noise that, mm-hmm. that uncomfortable sound. And you're like, there it is. That's it. You know, the only thing that's going to get me to stop this is me deciding it's time to move. And that's, you know, that's, that's what makes jujitsu fun for me. The one thing I like about going with the smaller guys or gals, it doesn't really matter because the women are just as tough as the dudes are, sometimes a little bit tougher, is that For sure. they tend to get really, really squirrely, meaning they can find those little nukes and crannies to get out of when you're in side control or when you got mount, or if they're on top, they're super fast and they do their best to get past your guard and you got to be really on top of your A game, so to speak, in order to keep guard retention or figure out a way to get back into half guard or full guard. So, you know, Rolling with big guys is great for that for those times where I want to get ready to maybe do a tournament and I got guys my size, but in regular training, just to keep me up on my chops, I like going with smaller folks just because, you know, as a bigger guy, you know, you tend to have a bigger center of gravity, so they tend to, to find ways to get you off kilter, so to speak, but then they also find the ways to go from you having them inside control to them taking your back almost instantaneously, which is great. Yeah, the I mean, you, you think about it, and for a, a smaller person that, if if I'm trying to uh, put a guard back in play, I've got to you know usually try and get like a knee in to start to try and, and be able to squirrel a leg all the way through. Well, my hip to my knee is a lot shorter than you know six foot six guy, so for him to try and get that knee or knee in there takes takes a lot more uh, takes a lot more space where you know kind of almost like a, like a mouse. If the head can fit, the whole body gets through. And being a, a little person that especially started training with, like I said, with all those big people, uh, I learned how to roll up in a ball and, and half guard was, uh, was something I was an early adopter of, you know, trying to hide underneath somebody. I want you to almost lose me, not be sure where I'm going to pop out. And then all of a sudden, like you say, oh, is that towards your back or – you know, am I, am I on one leg and, and pulling that leg in a direction that you have to go to your back? Then, you know, uh, I'll take it. And how many years have you been as a black belt now? How many stripes do you got? 
I got my second degree. I've been a black belt for a little more than seven years. So, uh, so yeah, I tried, uh, tried holding it off as long as I could. Um, you know, and, and James was, uh, listened to a point was agreeable because I, I trained consistent. I, I haven't taken any extended time off and, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, been, stayed healthy enough to, to stay on the mats. Um, I'm usually training four days a week at Hoagland's and then, um, I was doing, you know, if, when competition stuff's going on, I'll do two days at Foster's. And, um, when I was doing some MMA, a little bit of MMA, I was training two days, you know, while working and stuff like that. So I, I, I've stayed pretty steady. I mean, I'm not like one of them crazy dudes. It's like, Oh, I train eight hours a day. I'm not, you know, saying anything like that, but I was, you know, there weren't really days off and, um, or, you know, maybe one day off a week and, uh, that I'd kind of do a little bit of cardio and stuff, but just trying to stay a, a student of the progressing my, my journey in the art the, the whole time. And, uh, you know, so it hasn't changed at black belt. I'm still, still just trying to get better. And speaking of getting better, um, I noticed that when you're in there coaching, this is a little off topic here, but I know that when you're in there teaching classes, especially on Sunday competition class, you know, Coach James lets you run the show, so to speak. And I notice that though you push everybody, you have a way of motivating everybody to get out of this rut of like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I know from personal experience, I've been, I have a lot of self-doubt when it comes to trying to keep up with everybody in the, on the team because I'm one of the bigger guys, but at the same time, I don't feel that I'm in, you know, I don't feel belittled by anybody else, especially those who are teaching the class, because it's just like how we were taught in the Marine Corps, give it the best you can. Don't quit. And we're as fast as our slowest person. And that's the one thing I do appreciate about the way you teach class. Thanks. Yeah. The Marine Corps, you know, uh, I'm a, I was in the uh, Marine Corps from 88 to 92 and, um, it was instrumental in my outlook on, on a lot of things, on everything kind of. Um, but I mean, I, I carry that through, um, in just the, the way that I look at a team and, and what you do for, for a teammate and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, competition class, my, my personality, I think makes some people not understand kind of what I'm trying to get across. Uh, but if you, if you listen, you know, or if you stick around it uh, enough, you realize that, yeah, I, what I say might be uh, slight, you know, at times foul mouth or like, whoa, what did he just say? But I, I'm doing it in a way that I am trying to actually get a benefit. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to be funny or, you know, whatever, but I, uh, I just grew up in an area where you, you talk shit to people right. and you just dealt with it. And if you didn't like it, you could do something about it and, you know, see how that worked out. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying everybody's got to knuckle up every time they get together, but you know, it just, you didn't have a thin skin from right. that time. You know, I'm almost 50, you know, you didn't have a thin skin about that stuff or, or you sucked it, you know, you, you, you dealt with it. Right. And, uh, and the, the thing that I'm trying to get out of pushing those classes hard like that is that everybody's going to get better at their own rate. 
I mean that, and I, and I usually, you know, try and talk about that. I, I try and do certain exercises that, um, it's not, we're all going to do 50 because for some people 50 is slacking. And for other people, 50 is 10 more than they can do. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of counterproductive to, to be like, all right, we're going to do 50 because you know, the young buck that just got out of college, him doing 50, he's coasting. And for the other person that maybe just got out of college, but wasn't athletic in college, even though they're the same age, um, you know, that person might be like, uh, they might, I, they might hear the number 50 and they might already shut down. So you got to give them something that they can be successful at so that a year from now they can do 50 or a month from now, or, you know, they might never get to 50, but they've got to be able to improve, see improvement, feel good about themselves, and then know that they can still do more because they can. <laughs> In reality, they can. Nice. But, yeah. So uh, the, the revolution is what, 42, number 41, 42 now? Is that that true? <laughs> yeah, well, Mar- March would have been 42. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we got 41 in, 41 in the books. And how long has Liberty Events been around? And what was the motivation or the inspiration to start Liberty Events and to do tournaments here in the Pacific Northwest? Um, so I, uh, I fell in love with jujitsu kind of right off the bat. And um, I wanted to compete and stuff. And there were, there were little tournaments that were happening in the Pacific Northwest, but in like, Oh, three, Oh, four, Oh, five. I mean, every, every tournament was kind of a shit show. Uh Um, but if you wanted to compete, you sucked it up. I mean, it's not that, not that other people were trying to do things. Some people were trying to be shady and just like do it as a cash grab. And other people just were doing tournaments and they just kind of wing it and stuff. And I'm not really a wing it kind of guy, right. You you know, you prepare, you, you treat it with the respect it deserves. And we wanted to do things the right way. And when I say we, that was, uh, me and and my wife Gina mm-hmm. and um, there were a couple of other people I'm like hey man I'm thinking about doing a tournament and I was talking to a couple of different gym owners and I'm like hey I want to do a tournament they're like well maybe we do this rotation where other people host it and this and I was thinking about doing that and I was then I realized it's like you have too many people you have a council of people like that there's going to be too many differences of opinion I'm like well I just got to suck it up and we'll just handle it on our own and figure out the way we want to do it. And I want train reps and staff lined up staff, not just volunteers, but you know, staff, you know, treat people the way that they should be treated. You know, they're there, they're working, they deserve to get paid, not just, Hey, come on, it's time for you to give back. And there is some of that because, you know, with what people get paid, it's not for the money, you know, but just wanted tournaments to be done the right way. And uh, I was talking to Gina and it was in 05. We were talking about getting our ducks in a row and we were going to do this, you know, we'll do a tournament. And uh, I was still helping other people do tournaments because I wanted to see jujitsu grow. So if somebody was coming in and doing a tournament, I'd I'd work and I'd help them. And this, this guy had come over the mountains and he was doing the tournament and I helped him do brackets. I refed because I started refing in like 05. And I, I refed for him, and uh, the time came when it was getting towards the end of the day, and, and uh, he needed to give out some medals, and they ran out of medals. And I said, hey, you're out of, like, 
silvers. It was something weird. I'm like, you're out of silvers. And he's like, all right, well, go get his information and tell him I'll send him, uh, uh, I'll send him his medal. I said, oh, okay. And I walked back across the gym and I uh, said, hey, man. And I pointed back at the promoter. I'm like, see that guy? That's the guy you got to go talk to about your medal. Because I was just like, I'm not going to be the dude that makes it look like I wasn't prepared and I didn't have my crap together enough to have, you know, to have that happen. And um, I was like, after that, I was like, you know, we're trying to get our ducks in a row and there's people hosting tournaments that don't even know the ducks are involved. And we just like bit the bullet and, you know, decided we were going to host the tournament and uh, hosted our first event. Um, you know, super smart, did it by taking registrations on MySpace and contacted us through MySpace <laughs> and freaking came into, oh yeah, cutting edge, baby. Nice. You did it uh, via MySpace and, um, paid cash and if you didn't show up well hey no big deal we just tried to remake a bracket and you know we took registrations at the door but you know we, we knew what we wanted to do as far as doing it right we just weren't exactly sure how, how to go about it and we changed things all the time but like the reason that our event is called the revolution is because that's what we thought needed to happen with the tournament scene you know people needed to quit having to compete in an event that wasn't trying to improve and wasn't trying to get better because they didn't have a choice. And, um, you know, after our first event, I went around to like everybody that had people that competed, you know, all the different teams that had, I went and talked to their coaches. I'm like, you know, what'd you like? What didn't you like? That kind of thing. And we did that over and over, um, for, for years. And then it gets to a point where it's like, all right, well, we got to, you know, you can't keep changing stuff. You can't keep changing the recipe wholehearted. You got to stick with it some and just adjust it and tweak it. And, and we've done that. And um, I tell people, I mean, like I say, we got 41 events done. And I still tell people, if you only support events worth supporting, and that means ours as well. If you feel like we're not giving you good value for the money, if we're not treating you with respect, if we're not doing things the right way, then you shouldn't support us, but you should judge everybody the same. Don't not support us because you feel like we're screwing you, but go to somebody else and you feel screwing people and support them. So we just always try and give more than we take. And the community has been really great in supporting us and helping us grow over the years. And we're really proud of, of what we, what we do for uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the Pacific Northwest. So it's, it's worked out. You know, it's really awesome to hear that you go out and solicit feedback like that. Um, I think that's really good that you actually go out and look for the both the positive and the negative. So in order for you to, the way I look at it is if you, if you fail, it's a way to learn as opposed to always winning. Then you never get to understand where you may be failing at because you never have anything to correct. And I think that's really awesome that you out and went, you went and found, you know, p feedback. And I know that from, when I first went to one of your tournaments, this was when it was still down in Bonnie Lake High School. And I think you only had maybe like four or six mats at the time. And then you had to throw some upstairs because yeah. you kept growing and growing and growing. Now you're at Pacific Lutheran. And then eventually your, your first tournament for this year before it got kiboshed, unfortunately, was going to be at the Armory in Tacoma. So we, we saw you grow from... I, I unfortunately never went to the ones where I think you were at West Seattle High School at one point, you know, in the early days. Yeah. So I never got, I wasn't yeah, here so we at that did time. Our first, yeah. Our first event was at a middle school with two mats. We did two full-size wrestling mats at a middle school. 
And then we did, um, we grew to high school. Um, we did two mats and then we did a high school where we did three mats, two on one side, one on the back side, and then four mats, six mats. And then we went to eight mats and the first one this year would have been 10 areas. And then our, our event will be 10 areas. We've already got them. Um, I mean, so we, we will be running 10 competition areas, uh, in 2020. Looking back at how you started and to where you're at now, does it blow your mind? Does it, do you think like, oh man, this is awesome. Or do you can sit there and think we got, we can still do a lot more with this? Uh, both. I mean, we, we're, um, this is our first year using software. Everything that we've done, um, we've done because we, we look at it as a, as a passion project. It's, it, it is a business, but I, I run it because I love Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I want there to be three well-run events in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle area. You know, we stick to our, we try and stick to our months, March, July, November, you know, obviously this year things are a little different, but we're not trying to be the only game in town, but I am trying to be the best game in town not in competition with anybody else to be the best game in town, but I want to know that we're doing more, giving more, providing a better experience than anybody else. And we're still, after every event, I still have a list of things that are, are action items for after. Some things are things to change, some things are things to do well. And then, you know, I still need to talk to some coaches sometimes about, about stuff when we're trying to uh, adjust things and tweak things. Because as the guy that runs the event, I never see it from a competitor standpoint. I never see it from a coach's standpoint. So if I don't ever ask somebody that's in that role, there's no way, you know, it, that I would know, oh, no, that was cool. No, that didn't work. Why didn't that work? It, oh, it didn't work for this reason. Maybe we can adjust it. Maybe we just need to scrap it. You know, there, there's that responsibility to, to try and still – adjust things but we can't do too much at once and now the events are so big i mean i'll be honest i'm scared to death of going to software to a degree part of the reason i think that we've been successful is the personal touch that you know we'll have 1300 competitors individual athletes that are going to run through in those two days and somebody's like you know my name is you know a scene and you're like oh a scene so thanks for coming down from Canada. And they're like, what? And we're like, yeah, well, we recognize, you know, your name. You came down from Canada and, you know, we appreciate you coming down, crossing the border to support and stuff. And, and it just kind of blows people's minds and, and going to software, uh, you know, we have a little bit of nervousness about losing that, that touch. We know that we're going to still try and take care of people the same way, but I mean, there's trade-offs to, to making those changes to putting things, you know, in the, in the hands of software versus, you know, our hands, but there's only so much we can do. And I can't ask people that are supporting the event to give up some of the things that they come to expect because I still want to do it the way I want to do it for us to go and, and, and take things, you know, in a, in a way that some, some things are better for the, for the end user. I need to make those changes, whether it's, you know, exactly the way I want to do it or not. So I'm just weighing those choices out. 
Yeah. And one thing I do appreciate though, as a competitor at some of your tournaments is that, you know, if there was no one in that bracket, you would you would personally call that individual and say, Hey, this is the situation. What do you want to do? And here are your options. Other tournaments don't do that. You just should, like, yeah. for example, you go to Pan Am's, which is in California, you show up and you realize, Oh, there's no one in my bracket. Great. I just spent a grand to come here to get nothing, so to speak. I mean, that's not the fault of the IBJJF, but at least you give the option. You can either go up a bracket, go down a bracket, you can do this, you can do that. Some tournaments are so strict on their guidelines that they don't allow any type of movements to other brackets or divisions or whatever the case may be. And that I always thought that was really cool of you to do that. Yeah, it, I mean, people sacrifice to, to get ready for, for a tournament. You know, God willing. I mean, God willing, they're out there, they're, they're grinding and sweating. Uh, depending on, you know, everybody except the top weight bracket is probably dieting a little bit. They might have taken time off of work. They might have, you know, sacrificed family time. They, you know, they did all this stuff to get ready for the event and they need to be treated like they made sacrifices, you know, not just that they gave their money, but they made, which deserves respect on its own. But, you know, it's somebody that competes and, you know, I cut to Gallo. I make 127 with the geese for the big tournaments. I don't do it for anything else because there's no other freaking, you know, 50 year old, 125 pound dudes that are really rolling around out there. But, uh, you know, so it, it, you know, usually just fighting up in weight anyway, but you know, I, I understand the sacrifice that goes into getting ready to actually perform at your best, whether you win or lose to perform at your best. It's the sacrifice you make ahead of time. That's the real goal, in my opinion. And I want that to be treated I want somebody to know that that was respected. And if the best thing for you to do is to receive a refund from us because there's nobody in your bracket, you know, then we'll give you a refund and, and I will honestly be sorry that there wasn't a bracket for you. I would love it if there was brackets of four, brackets of eight, brackets of 16. So it's all balanced and nice and, you know, everybody's within a few years and a couple of pounds. Yeah, that'd be really great. But I don't have a clone machine to make all the brackets that way. So you just got to, you know, reach out to somebody, give them their honest options and, and, you know, deal with it and find them the best match if they want it or give them a refund if they don't. And hopefully they understand that you did your best and you'll see them at the next one. And do you still do the, uh, the you get a guarantee two matches, whether you win or lose type of thing? Are you still doing that? 100, yep, 100%. Nice. Because that's one of the things I... Yep, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that I know that as also adds a lot of value to coming to your tournaments because people are going to know if I get past the first bracket, I can still continue on to that championship round. Or if I lose, I still have a, a possibility of still meddling, even though I lost my first match. Yeah. Uh, depending on the size of the bracket, you can still, you know, you can still take third or, or whatever you mm -hmm. can still wrestle back for, for third, you know, as they kind of call it, but the brackets that we used to use when we go to software, it's not my custom brackets anymore. So they've got some stuff that, that now is out there to get you that second match and, and you can still um, go. But uh, the brackets that we ran for years were brackets that basically I, I kind of made up and then we were doing them in Excel and that's, you know, we, we run a, a tournament with over a thousand people and I'm hand doing brackets. Um, you know, for, for a week, but it's the best one. It's, 
what I thought was the best. And I still think the brackets that we ran were the best, but we, we can't do those brackets as a two person organization and still give everybody what it is that they deserve. So we've got to, you know, we got to make those changes and, and make those adjustments. But the, the simple fact is, is until Brazilian Jiu Jitsu events are fully ranked, you're, you're not seated and you go up against the savage. I mean, you're, you're a, a good competitor, but you go up, up against the total savage and you get, you know, it's not, not a competitive match, let's say. And, you know, you get submitted in two minutes or whatever. You paid your money, you get submitted in two minutes. Well, for a lot of people that don't compete much, they, they need a chance to get those nerves out of the way. And then they can actually relax. And their second match, they're um, probably, if they lost their first match, they would be going with somebody that probably lost their first match also. So the skill set might be a little closer. They've gotten the nerves out of the way. They already, you know, there's no pressure now. So they're able to actually show their jujitsu better, sometimes in that second match, depending on the person, than they could in the first match. And when they, you know, the typical bracket tournament, half the people are going to lose their first match and be done. That's it. That's the only thing they're going to get, one match, and they're done. The way we do it, you get your first match, Win or lose, you get another chance to get out there and kind of kind of knock that those nerves out again, and they're able to flow and go. And then they find out, oh, actually, I do like competing. But if they go out there and just get trucked their first match, they're like, ah, oh, this is stupid. I don't even know why I did this. Right. So it's it's just an opportunity for them to to have that other side of jujitsu, that competition side of jujitsu, be um, something that they get to experience more and more bang for their buck. And one thing that still amazes me to this day, even with all that going on, your t tournament times almost run spot on or within 30 minutes of call times and bigger tournaments. They never run on time or they seldom ever run on time. There have been times I've been at tournaments waiting on the on deck circle for hours. And it's just like, this sucks. Or at least you, you and, and Gina and everybody else makes a concerted effort to get people where they need to be on time and everything seems to run very, very smooth. I'm not, and I'm not just saying that as, because you're my friend and I've known you for all. I'm saying that as an observer and as a competitor, even when, or even working on staff for you doing photos or videos, everything seems to be in tune. And I'm sure you are very super proud of that. It, it's, a, it's something, yeah, it is. It is something that we're proud of. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard to do, but it's not, it's not impossible. And, you know, there's going to be stuff that happens, you know, God forbid an injury takes a mat down for a while. I mean, there's, there's always stuff to, to take into account. You've got to decide, do you want to build in extra time? So you're not late, but then you've got dead time on the mat. We try and keep it where those mats are full the whole day. It just keeps the energy up. It keeps, um, you know, everybody's in a better mood. But if you look out and, you know, let's say we've got eight mats and you look out and six mats are sitting idle. I mean, it just makes the day go longer than it needs to. It feels like it's dragging. Uh, and just if you keep those mats busy, you're guaranteeing that the energy level stays up. You got to have the staff to be able to handle that throughput and make sure that people aren't feeling like they're, you know, getting getting treated like they're rented you know they, they gotta they gotta be able to get a break and, and do that stuff the best that you can but um 
you definitely you definitely want to keep for us we want to keep those mats mats hopping get people in get people out a tournament doesn't have to be an all-day thing if you don't want it to be as a competitor or as a coach you know you should be able to take a look and and split things up if you need some coverage and, and do that or you can just be like me and when I go to, you know, some of the, the more well-known events, especially when I'm reffing, get to the venue at 8 a.m., leave the venue at 2200, back at the venue the next day at 8 a.m. And that, to me, is, is a good jiu-jitsu time. I mean, other people are like, dude, I'm there long enough to get in and get out, get done. So we want to, you know, give people the respect of having that time frame be as close to pop, close as to possible is accurate so they can plan their day and and have a life outside if that's what they want that's that's awesome that's really cool to hear um so uh, along with the brazilian jiu-jitsu community one thing that i didn't know when i first met you was you were pretty heavily involved in the mixed martial arts community as well mma and all that you know whether it's you know fights at the casinos or fights wherever else and stuff that you put together on with with jeff hoagland um what are some of your, what, what's some of the insights that you have for people who, I mean, you've, you've trained and you fought, but you've got people who jump on the bandwagon. Like, for example, we'll see people come into Foster's like, Hey, I got a fight on Friday. I need to train. And like, nah, dude, you gotta go. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, do you see that, that yeah. do you see that wave of bandwagoning still continuing or is it starting to taper off now and become, are, are people more serious about wanting to fight or train? What's your insight on that? Um, anybody that's, I believe that there'll always be some bandwagon stuff. There's always going to be people that, you know, just like anything else, they, they think it's a good idea and they want to dabble in it, but nobody that, uh, that's fighting out on, on the team, anybody that comes out to combat, they're, they're not taking shortcuts. Like one of the things that, uh, uh, for MMA is being part of a team. And I'm super proud of the accomplishments of the teammates that, that we have, that I have. Um, if they're fighting out of combat sport and fitness, they didn't take a shortcut. It wasn't allowed. And if they took a shortcut, their fight got pulled because you just, you can't, you're expecting somebody to go out there and you know, it's, it is the hurt business. And if you don't have faith that they did what they were supposed to do to be ready, it's your obligation to not let them go out there. And, uh, if their heads, if they've got something going on personally and their head's not in the right spot, you know, they were trying to do all the right things in the gym, but they got stuff going on and you got to help them. You got to make the tough call and do that. And I've seen Jeff, you know, walk the walk and, and take care of people before the fight. Um, you know, and after the fight, after it's been a hard fight and, you know, he, he's done that. And I've been there, been lucky enough to be part of that. Um, but he's the guy that, you know, makes those calls and, and helps people. Uh, with the good matchups to, to know that they're, you know, they're not in over their head and that um, watching people go from smokers and debuts to amateurs, to amateur titles, to pros, Jeff's had people fight, you know, he fought for the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he, he coached people that are now fighting in the UFC fighting for one FC, which is the biggest global promotion, uh, UFC biggest promotion. You know, those are the two big ones. And, you know, he, he's walked the walk to get people out there to, to fight for both of those. That's the, 
that's the thing that's cool. And there's going to be people that are trying to shortcut that and they just want to, you know, have a, have a couple of fights and, and, and there's plenty of teams for them to, I'm sure find a home, but that's not the, the kind of crew that I'm running with. So and know, that, that's what I see from it. And just so we make people aware who are listening, who may not know what the term smokers mean, we're not talking about people who smoke. We're talking about events that are not necessarily sanctioned, but they're just put on for like friends and family to come watch an exhibition match of some sort. So just so we can clear the, get some clarification. on that. <laughs> People are like, well, smokers, what the hell yeah, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, you know what though? I appreciate you, you thinking to say that because to me, that's just like, you know, if you say a smoker show, you know, some people are going to think of a sideshow in, in Oakland and other people are going to think, you know, other people are going to think about cannabis cup and other people are, yeah. But yeah, to me, a smoker show is just, uh, you know, two people that have very limited experience getting together in front of friends and family and knocking the snot out of each other pretty much and, and seeing a little bit about what they're made of. Yeah. yeah and speaking of uh, UFC stuff, I bet, you know, assisting Jeff or coaching Jeff at his matches, then, having some of your up and coming fighters, especially like Chase Hooper, who is now just who'd ever thought someone that young would make such a strong. I mean, everybody who trains or knows who Chase is are probably not that surprised, but everybody outside of our realm, so to speak, outside of the whole one jujitsu family, they're not going to know. They're like, man, who's this 18 year old kid? And he, he comes on and is doing awesome. And that's giving other kids around his age, the inspiration to maybe put on a gi and come train as well. That, that must be pretty awesome to have an ambassador like that as a part of your team, as a part of our family, so to speak. I, I think so. I think anybody should be proud to be associated with that kid. Um, he's, he's a, a good young man. I mean, you look at him and, and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look like uh, fighting to be his thing. You know, looks like he should be probably playing video games right, or Twitter, whatever. Yeah, or, streaming on Twitch or whatever. But he, um, <laughs> 100%, 100%, you know, but he, uh, he's one of the guys that doesn't take shortcuts, listens to what, you know, what the path is, what the, what the goal is, the steps to get there. And he works hard. He works really hard for it. And it's like, oh, he's talented. He's this and that. Well, it's funny how the, the, hardworking people uh, are in quotes talented, you know, we've all seen anybody that's been around the game long enough to see wasted talent, people that were way more physically gifted and because they were physically gifted, maybe in the beginning they got away with it. And then when the, when the plateaus happen and you know, there's levels to this stuff and, and they start leveling up and it gets harder, they're, they're not prepared to, to do the harder stuff because they've always been able to just be, you know, good enough on their, what they got. And Chase is both. He's super good at it physically, get, gets it physically. He, um, he's been doing jujitsu since he was like nine, you know, it is, it is wired into his thought process in a way it will never be wired into my thought press process. You know, it's just part of his, his, uh, hard wiring where, you know, I'm still sometimes flipping through a, a paper Rolodex and, and for him, he's plugged into the matrix, man. And 
he works he works hard like he's trying to learn it new every day and the results show for themselves and i like the fact that he's still really down to earth and very very he's humble. part of that 100 percent, man he's part of that that new crop that like uh, when I fought MMA, it was because I wanted to, like, represent jiu-jitsu, you know, because you were either a jiu-jitsu fighter or a wrestler or a kickboxer. You know, it was, like, these different styles. Like, it was martial artists fighting, but they it was mixed martial arts because there was different style martial arts fighting each other, kind of. I mean, not like I'm, like, old pancreas. Like, I'm not, like, that kind of old, but, you know, early 2000s and that. And it was still kind of those you were representing your art and Chase is one of those people that has only been a mixed martial arts. He's obviously a heavy jujitsu background guy, but like his fighting is, he is a mixed martial artist and he's trying to improve in all areas, not just one area. And that's what we're going to see as this, this new, new batch, newer crop is coming through. These are people that have been mixed martial artists since they were, first training they weren't a taekwondo they weren't an ex that added this and that to be a mixed martial artist they're just mixed martial artists from the back and so in, in regards to like the whole jujitsu realm and mixed martial arts realm i i know that when i first started it was relatively small i'm sure when you started because you started probably a few years before i did it was probably even smaller um just looking at the last 15 20 years here in the pacific northwest uh, where do you see the biggest area of growth? Was has it been the men's division, the women's division, children's division, a combination of all three? What what do you what's your been what's your insight or what's your your take on how things have been exponential and the the growth of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in general? Uh, a a little bit of of all three because Jiu Jitsu um, itself has transitioned even in the U.S. Uh, it's transitioned to be something where like, I mean, the, the cross section of people on the mats is crazy. You got, you know, construction, police, lawyer, criminal. I mean, they're all, they're all on the mats together. When we're all in the geek, we're all kind of, you know, we're all the same for that. And jujitsu has got a pretty good way of, of weeding out the people that aren't, aren't cool. Um, they don't hang out. They don't, they won't grind it out the way that they need to, to stick around my opinion. Um, but the the thing that's happened for jujitsu's growth is that it, it's not just a fight club anymore. It used to be just, you know, you saw a lot of uh, cops, corrections officers, people, you know, people that enjoyed bouncing and, and, and things like that. People that, you know, were kind of looking at it from the fight aspect. And there's definitely still those people that are there, but they're next to somebody that, you know, is an emergency room doctor. You know, I mean, there's, there's all different walks of life. So you, you see the sport grow because it's, it allows people to have a normal kind of life and not just be, you know, getting ready for fights and stuff like that. And the competition scene isn't just, isn't just competitors. There's, you know, there's people that are competing once a year, twice a year. It's not people that are just, you know, always competing. And so the competition scene allows for people to be kind of part-time competitors and hobbyists to still compete. Women's jujitsu, I mean, women's jujitsu, when I started, there was, women had to compete with men. And as being a littler dude, I mean, 
I never had to compete against a woman, but there were women in my divisions that it just didn't work out to see on the bracket um, because there were no women's brackets. There, there, if there were two women at a tournament, it was a surprise. Um, and now, I mean, in November, we had over 100 women that registered, which was bigger than our – we had more women – register in November then we had total competitors for like our second event. Our first event, we had 48, we had less than 50 people for our first event. And, um, you know, people will put their kids in jujitsu now and it's not like some weird, weird thing. I mean, there's, there's four year olds are competing. Four year olds are competing, not, not trying jujitsu. They're out there and they're competing. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. So we're, you're seeing, you're seeing that the, the go across all levels. So I don't know which one's the biggest, but I know that it's, it's wild to see the difference in all three of those areas, men, women, and, and youth to see the difference from what it was, you know, before. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, your first tournament number of participants with, you know, 48 or whatever the case may be. Did it, did it take a while for the numbers to grow or did you actually see pretty quick growth? Um, how many people were at the November tournament, the, you know, November, 2019 as, you know, and what is, what have the numbers been like throughout the years? Yeah. Well, um, our, so November, 2019, we had over 1300 individual athletes. If you do gi and no gi, I don't count you as, as two. You're still, you're one, you're just one person doing both. And we had over 1,300 uh, individuals. And it ended up, it was like a tournament of like 18, with like people doing both. Because a lot of the kids do both. The kids do D and no D. I always get a kick out of that. The parents, you know, if the parent competes, the parent, you know, usually does one. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But they're like, oh, no, my kid's going to do both. I want my kid to do both. It's like, does your kid want to do both? You know, <laughs> And if they do, great, because I know that most most people are looking. Some people are looking for more matches, and some people aren't. And um, you know, it's good for you to get your kid the experience they want, but just you know, hope that people are meeting them at their own needs. You know, letting them letting them get whether it's to do just no gi, which or just gi. I'm I'm a, more of a gi guy, but um, so if we would have counted people that did both as two people, it would have been like you know. Uh, over eighteen, over eighteen hundred, maybe nineteen hundred uh, unique athletes. If we would have done it that way, but it was, um, it was our it was our largest event that we'd had to date. Before that, we'd been over a thousand, but uh, we we really really pushed the number, uh, the growth big. Surprisingly, I mean, kind of out of nowhere, and that's when we went and uh, needed to needed to move venues. Our first event was forty eight people. And then our next event, we had over in 2006, our first event, we had it. And then our next event in the spring of 2007, we had over 100 people. And we weren't expecting that kind of growth. We weren't expecting a more than double. And uh, it was it was getting later in the afternoon. And I remember the we were not prepared for it. And the, the janitor for the venue, which was a middle school again, the janitor for the venue says, so uh, how's it going? And Gene says it's going fine. And I mean, we were we were running later than we thought we were going. And he goes, "Oh, just uh, wasn't sure if you were going to be done in time for the church group." And Gina uh, said, "The what?" 
And he goes, yeah, a church group comes in at 7 p.m. And Gina almost passed out, like literally like that, that looking down the straw as everything starts to sink, sink in, sure, circle sure. in, and little sparkles. And she got a little, <laughs> she's like, oh my God. And, you know, thank God Nogi was, Nogi was faster, you know, and we got out of there. But, um, you know, I mean, we just try and do the right thing and, and get out of there. And we, we were rolling the, uh, the wrestling mat down the hallway as the church group was coming in and they were kind of looking over this. They're like, uh, what, what do you got going on? Oh, we're just wrapping up a tournament. And, you know, we already had tables done and the, you know, the scoreboards were broke down. Everything was broke down, but yeah, we were rolling the mat down the hallway when they were coming in <laughs> to do their setup for their, um, Saturday night church group. But yeah, I had no idea that the venue was rented to somebody else in the evening. That is awesome. It was, that was a surprise. So we, we kind of made, made a habit of clearing that, um, you know, when we were moving, when we moved forward into other venues, we were like, now there's nothing else going on, you know, that day or anything. Right. And, you know, we kind of made sure we cleared that out because it never occurred to us that they might've double booked the thing. Right. Yeah. And then when you went to PLU, I thought it was great that, you know, everybody was there just to make sure the place was clean or, or you had staff there to go walk around to get all the garbage out. And you had people there to do crowd control, so to speak, to make sure there wasn't enough, there wasn't anybody who was a non-coach down on the floor. I mean, people still snuck in, but then you found them like, Hey, you got to go. And, and that's what I think would help. You know, it, it helps with people. People don't understand that little things like that actually help keep things on track. It's not just, making sure that people are where they need to be at a certain time. But even the little, little knickknack things like that, like, okay, well, there's not a bunch, a bunch of parents and family members are on the, on the floor. So people can get through and that's going to stagger times. And all. it just, it makes everything much easier and more pleasant, so to speak. So that that's, that's always a plus. So. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an extra hassle to try and, you know, deal with that. But the, the difference is in the details. Right. The same is to, or to me, at least the, the thing that makes a, a technique in jujitsu that works high percentage of the time is because you pay attention to the details. It's like, you know, you tell somebody, all right, well, grab the arm. Well, grab the arm. There's, there's an awful lot of, of variance there. You know, are we grabbing the wrist or we grabbing the, the sleeve? Are we grabbing at the elbow? Are we cupping the elbow? Are we just grabbing the fabric on the side, on the outside of the elbow? I mean, there's, you know, are we cupping the bicep? Are we grabbing behind the tricep? Are we grabbing the sleeve? Are we cupping that? There's, there's so many things. If you say grab the arm, I mean, you can grab it a hundred different ways and you're, you're right. But there might only be, you know, two ways that you're going to make that grip for the technique to work with high percentage. Are you going to allow them to post out? Do you want them to post out so you can actually you know, hit a transition. Well, it's the same thing with running a tournament. The difference is in the details. If, if you just tell people, you know, Hey, or, I mean, maybe, maybe everybody at other events listens great. And, you know, thankfully at the rev, most people listen really, really well. And it's, you know, it's more the exception that you have to ask somebody more than once to not be where they're not supposed to be. But to them, the most important thing is them seeing that. Per- I get it. I get where they're coming from it. They're like, I just want to watch my whatever student, husband, wife, kid. I just want to watch them compete this one match. Please. Can I just stay for this one match? And it's like, well, no, there's going to be a thousand matches. And if we let a thousand people watch that one match, that those thousand matches take so much longer 
because it just slows everything down. You know, we do the best we can to provide people the opportunity to support, to coach, to do whatever it is that they're there to do, but they just got to do it from certain spots. And it's not because I, I mean, as much as I'm a mass hole, I grew up in Massachusetts and I, you know, I, I do things the way I do them. It's because I think it's the right thing. It's not because I want to be the little guy that's like, I told you, you can't be here. You can't be here. Dude, I wish I didn't have to talk to you at all about anything like that. I wish I got to say, hey, man, you having a good time? And you said, yeah, because you were in the right spot and everything was going smooth and I wasn't dealing with an issue. But that's not, uh, you know, that's not the way it always gets to work out. The, that would just be, you know, the ideal world. But we haven't had a perfect event yet. But we're going to try and make improvements and maybe the next one will be, uh, be the one well you, you also yeah. i mean you're talking about you haven't had a perfect event but i also see it as you and gina are striving for per, for perfection and even though that may be out of reach so to speak at least you know that you can keep improving there there are people who would who would just be content with what they've provided so far and not try to make any changes to better the the tournament the registration process the the whole atmosphere whatever the case may mean even taking the initiative to find a bigger venue because now you'll be moving into the tacoma armory to help facilitate more mats and making sure that you can get more competitors out there that's that's awesome that's that's doing due diligence and taking the initiative to go out and get the software i mean i don't i didn't realize you i, I knew you did the brackets but manually but i didn't realize you spent week a week or whatever in excel doing all that that's mind-blowing and now getting to the point where you're like, oh, I have to do it autonomously now. That's 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 taking the initiative to make sure that you can actually provide a better product for people, whether they're going to appreciate it or not. I think that's awesome. I I appreciate that because you know, like I say, it it, it scares me to. It's in my baby, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm never going to be uh, a, a, a you know a real world champion. You know, if I win my master's rooster, freaking master four black belt rooster, and it's at the master worlds and I'm a world champion. I, anybody that wins that, you know, good for them, but that's not the kind of, that's not adult world champion. That's not, you know, that, that kind of world champion. So I, I, I do think that I will win a world championship as, as a competitor. Um, and, but I'm not going to be, setting the world on fire with my, with my jujitsu. What I can do to get back is I can run a kick-ass tournament. I can drive that tournament to be the best it can be. I can do it for the right reasons. I can try and treat everybody the way I'd want to be treated as a competitor. I can do that. So for me to, to just, you know, I can't mail it in because I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, I don't think I'll ever invent some crazy move that sets the jujitsu world on fire Um, I, you know, I kind of coach, I usually just go to the gym and, and basically, you know, and and Jeff Lee teaches all the classes out of combat. I do the, you know, the competition classes at Foster, but I mean, I'm not there, you know, I, I really don't see myself as a coach. I've never put a piece of tape on a, on a belt. I've never striped anybody never promoted anybody i've talked to you know jeff's talked to me about yeah you think this guy's ready and we, we've talked about stuff but those are jeff's people that's his team and that, that he's you know you know we talk about you've got to answer you know when, when it's all said and done you have to answer for for every uh every promotion that you did you know it's like hey, man, you, 
he did that. That's that guy's your guy. You know that that means something when you say that's your guy. You you, you promoted that guy. Yeah, I promoted that guy. So those people that are my teammates, they're important to me. Um, but I and I and I try and uh, help them with their jujitsu. But like I'm I'm nobody's you know sensei. I'm nobody's right. you know all that. I'm just there and talking some shit about the way that they try to sweep and like. <laughs> You know, if they did it right, I'll be like, hey, look at you. You're finally getting it. And then, you know, I'll be like, dude, that was, I'll be like, that was sweet. That was nice. You know, but I've only started giving any kind of compliments like that in the last couple of years. Normally it was just like, finally, you know, and, and, but I coach my kid the same way. You know, I mean, my kids, are, my, my oldest boy's a, a purple belt and he's, he's solid. He, he has solid jujitsu, but he don't get uh, any special favors from me. Um, you know, with the way that, you know, he's there and, and he's my son and then it's not a secret, but you know, he doesn't get coddled either. Sometimes a little more the other way, probably, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you may not I, see, I ended up getting, I ended up getting off in the woods, man. My <laughs> it's all good. It's all, I was just going to say it, it. You may not see yourself as a coach, but as, as someone who's outside of combat sports, you and Jeff are always together, so to speak. You guys are, coaching your teammates you're coaching him when he's fighting or vice versa you're, you're coaching your student or he you're helping coach his students at their fights their mma events you've traveled with him to other countries when he's fought i mean you guys have a pretty from a, an outsider a pretty solid friendship and relationship going there that most people will never get to experience and i think that's pretty incredible because you guys have been running together now for what 10 15 years or something like that Yeah, yeah, we've been yeah, we've been tight for yeah, a dozen dozen yeah, do, yeah. Well, cuz he moved up from Cali. He was uh he was a blue belt when he came up and um just I like the way I like training hard. He likes training hard and um he he is no shortcut. He got to the UFC because he did no shortcuts and you know, I'm I'm honored. I love that guy. I I say it you know, not lightly. I, I love that guy and I have a lot of respect for um, the way he does things. And he, uh, he holds himself to, to a higher standard than, than he doesn't ask anybody to do anything he wouldn't do. And um, he's, uh, he's just trying to make people better. He's trying to give back and, and help people be better than he was. And um it's really cool to really appreciate that he trusted me to be in his corner for, you know, all the fights he's had in Washington. You know, I've been in his corner for all of those when he was won his, you know, first pro title when uh, up here in the Northwest, when he, you know, got the call to go to the UFC, my family, we had a, um, we had a trip to Disneyland scheduled and like, I was kind of trying to put a, a, a layer between. So I was talking to the UFC um, for him and sending, sending, uh, video clips and, and that kind of stuff and got the call and like, Hey, you know, this is the date. And we had a trip scheduled that date and my family was cool. Uh, after they took a, a moment to think about it and I was like, Hey, our Disneyland trip is postponed. It's not off. It's just postponed. And got to be there when Jeff, you know, fought in the UFC, won in the UFC. And then, you know, I've been there when he didn't win and, um, he was there for me, uh, the same, you know, when I, you know, 
when I fought and, and I didn't, you know, not for the UFC, obviously I'm not saying that, but when I, when I fought and I didn't win, he was there. Um, and you know, proud of each other, win or lose. Cause we know that there were no shortcuts, shortcuts taken. And, um, you know, he worked with the kids, you know, Joey and, and Chase and people that have fought, you know, at, at that high level. And, and I've, uh, been able to be with them on those. And, and that's, it's not taken lightly. I mean, when I say I'm not a, not a coach, it's, it's, I get where they're they're looking to me to, to help um, on their journey for whether it's the you know keeping things light and and busting shops or you know actual fight knowledge and, and help with that. But um, just just trying to uh, be a a good complement to to help people reach their potential with with whatever that, whatever it is, whether, you know, to be honest, on the mat or off the mat, but it, it usually uh, comes through the relationship built on the mat that, that it happens off the mat as well. And, and, you know, and he's, uh, Jeff Hogan's, he's my homie. And, and uh, there's nothing we wouldn't do for each other. And it's pretty cool to have that. So that is very, very I, cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And just looking over from the 30,000 foot view, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what are your some what are some of your favorite moments that you've experienced or not necessarily just for yourself, but you know, you've witnessed or you you know, other people have gone through something and you were there to celebrate with them or rejoice with them or whatever the case may be. What are some of your key highlights? Um I mean uh, for a while for for a long time we were uh it was going to Denny's. Denny's was for champions and after after like MMA fights um, going and, and uh, going to Denny's and, and talking about you know stuff with the people that were in the crowd, you know the the people that were there to support the team and and the fighter and and that and um just those experiences, uh, those times that you're there, or you know going out of town on a on a road trip or flying. I mean, uh, thankfully I, I've had the opportunity to go to Macau for fights, Virginia for fights, Vegas for fights, um, and doing, doing those things, uh, Bangkok, um, to, to go in, in corner and, and be there and, um, people to, to share those experiences with. And then, you know, just to be honest, the, the, thing for me a lot is those are cool but it's the grinding in the gym the people that are there all the time in the gym those are the ones that you know you kind of see and people are people use the gym as as therapy and you're there as part of their therapy you know you're you're pretty raw at at times when you're there and um people sharing that with you and, and having that that's that's the, the cool thing. And then I've had the opportunity to go to Brazil. Uh, I've made friendships where I've been in Brazil twice and um, I haven't stayed in the hotel. I've stayed with, stayed with friends and um, you know, some, some of my best friends are, you know, we don't even speak the same language, primary language. And it's, it's pretty cool to, to have shown enough of each other through tournament stuff because you know you you only see people a, a few times but you know you get to start talking to them outside and, and develop these friendships where i have people that are welcome to stay at my home and i'm welcome to stay in theirs and and you know one of the times i went down took my wife and felt totally 
totally fine leaving my wife with, you know, we're down there and I went and worked an event and my wife was there and felt my wife was totally in good hands because, you know, everybody that knows me knows how important she is to me and that I don't take the responsibility lightly and, um, you know, felt my wife was totally safe staying with friends and it's pretty cool to, to have that kind of experience through, through jiu-jitsu. And speaking of jujitsu, uh, what possessed you to become a referee? And do you find it that it's important? Because I know you also do a lot of referees clinics for your tournaments in particular to make sure all your referees are on the same page. So how how important is it is it for you to consistently go down to California or wherever they're ha- having a referees clinic for the IBJJF to make sure that your credentials are up to date and you're up to speed on all the latest rules? I mean, is it imperative for for those who are serious about being long, you know, having a long jujitsu career, so to speak. I mean, I, I know as a competitor, I need to know the rules too. And there's, there's people who just don't know the rules and they wonder why they get submitted or, or I, as I say, uh, dis, disregard submissions, but you know, getting disqualified for doing something they're not supposed to do. So like, can you give me your, your take on the whole refereeing training certification realm, so to speak? Yeah, a hundred percent. Funny you say about the people that are like, to talk about, I'll definitely talk about like my passion for the rules and, and how that came about. But jujitsu is a sport that you will have somebody that like, you know, it, it gets in and they're like, Oh man, jujitsu is so important to me. And you know, I, I only wear Havaianas and I like acai and they, you know, my friends call me Jafino and, and this and that. And you know, they're like, you're like, you're like, oh man, yeah, you love jujitsu? Yeah, it changed your life? Yeah. Have you ever read the rules for the sport? Well, no. That's like telling me that, you know, you're the, you're the biggest Christian in the world, but you never look at the, the Bible. You know, you don't, you don't do any, anything. To, and it's like, well, if that's the side, and you want to be an, uh, an evangelist, you know, you, you want to preach about, about it. And it's like, well, so you're like more of a hobbyist. It's kind of, you know, and, and that's okay. But if you're telling me that jujitsu is so important to you and it changed your life and competition's important to you and you won't read the rules, mm, I don't know if I fully believe you, you know? And so, so that side of it is funny, you know? And that's why, like, when we do competition training, I try and, you know, if somebody's getting ready for a certain type of rule set, to think about that rule set because it's great if every match ends with a legal submission, but. You know, that's not always the way it goes. So you need to, you know, understand the competition mindset and the rule set that's employed for the event you're about to compete in and build your game around maximizing the, the benefits for that. But that, that's, that's the aside on that. But as far as like the referee training and certification, um, I started working uh, at, at refing in like 2005. I was a blue belt and nobody wanted a referee locally. And I thought it was important. I thought that, uh, solid referees were, um, critical to a good competition scene. And I still feel that. And I, and I feel it more than ever. Um, but I also know that as a blue belt, I probably shouldn't have been reffing <laughs> even, um, <laughs> even though my heart was in the right place. I definitely, uh, I did so I did some things right and I definitely, you know, I'm still growing now. I've been refing um for the for the IBJJF since like two thousand and ten. Like as soon as I got my brown belt, I started refing because I had done the most amount of like referee courses 
of uh, or rules courses. They're rules courses at the time. Um, I had done the most amount of rules courses as a like as a non referee uh, that uh, that the director knew of. And I mean, we kind of joked about it and stuff. And I was just there. I was just hungry for the knowledge, hungry to learn, study the rule book, treat it like it's important, um, refereed uh, any event that I could that, um, that, you know, was trying to use those rule sets. And then I would referee other events that didn't use those rule sets, but I really tried to focus on, on that rule set, the, the IBJJF rules, because I feel that that's the standard. Um, and, and I just wanted to get my ring generalship, my ring ownership down and, and those things and, and bring my professionalism up in the way that I act and conduct myself while I'm there as a referee and, and all of those things, all the things that knowing the rules is, is a huge part of it, but it's actually knowing jujitsu more is the bigger part of being a good referee. And that's why I say, like, as a blue belt, I probably shouldn't have been repping because my actual knowledge and understanding of jiu-jitsu probably wasn't where somebody should have been trusting their whole event <laughs> to, to my blue belt experience. But, you know, but it, you know, events used to be if you showed up and you had any repping experience, you showed up to compete or to coach or, you know, whatever. And then the tournament director would be like, hey, man, I need, I need you to rep. You'd be like, oh, uh, well, I wasn't going to – but you don't want to let people down. You don't want to let the whole event down by them having, you know, somebody that wasn't uh, not a ref or somebody that's not prepared to ref. So you like, you're like, okay. And you put on the wristband and, you know, there were times I went to compete and I ended up not competing because I ended up refing and like found out they didn't even freaking tell me that my division was getting called. And it was like, Oh, well, it's too late for that. You know? So I, I just, I was focused on being a good ref and, um, not trying to take take uh, any any kind of a you know teleport to the mm-hmm. spot where oh now's where I'm just a cool guy ref right you know and and trying to go and and learn and ask the questions and be almost a pain in the ass about trying to get better at understanding and um, I spent a lot of years as a D checker for the federation because you can't ref until you're a brown belt right and I spent a lot of years just going and. And I'd de-check and then I'd watch and, you know, I'd ask like, Hey, which referee should I watch today? You know, who should, who should I be watching to see? And you, and you watch and you're trying to, you know, pick up things like you watch somebody's jujitsu game and you see like where they stand, how they go. And it's the same thing uh, for, for me with that. You're, you're trying to learn their good habits. So um, doing that and it, it's worked out that I've refereed Canada I refereed in, you know, the U S and in Canada, um, refereed in, in Europe last year, uh, at the, at the European masters. Um, I've refereed like Abu Dhabi qualifier, the American cup, American nationals. I refereed through five grappling. I've refereed the U S open, um, for the IBJJF. I've done, like I said, the American nationals. I've done, the um, multiple opens. I've done pans, worlds, uh, master worlds. I've done, you know, all of, all of those different events that I've been lucky enough to be a part of the, the referee team because um, it's, a, it's a big responsibility, I feel. And um, it acknowledged that I, I was seeing somebody that was treating it with the respect that it deserves and I had the skill set to, to get out there and represent somebody's organization. Because every time you're a referee, you're 
you're representing the entire sport to somebody, you know, you're responsible for that. And it's, it's something that you gotta, you gotta treat that way. I don't want to make it too heavy a deal because it's, I mean, you know, it's also two people that shouldn't be punching or kicking each other, you know, that are just going to have five to 10 minutes uh, of get after it, you know, but you know, those people are trusting you to keep them safe as well. And, and to have a fair competition and, you know, mistakes can be made, but it shouldn't be due to, shouldn't be due to negligence or, or not caring. It should be done, you know, an honest mistake is an honest mistake. And there's a difference between that and screwing somebody over because you weren't paying attention. And I always just try to give them my full, my full attention and focus. And, and, um, you know, it's something that I focus on and I'm very thankful that the, the people that referee at the rev, they, they're on the team to referee because they treat it, they treat it that way. The, I'm, I cannot state how proud I am of the referee core that the revolution puts out. Um, a lot of those refs have started at the rev and they've gone and they've refed for a bunch of well-known organizations and they get compliments. And I'm really proud that um, we're on the same team to, to do that together. So, and they, they, still grind it out on those meetings that I lead and, and deal with that. And, you know, we help each other get better. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's very cool. Especially getting compliments from other organizations. Cause that's those, those are reflections of your leadership ability being pres- passed down to these folks that you entrust to run the mats for you. That's awesome. That's really cool. And so um, there's one topic I wanted to ask you about that I didn't put on the list. And I just thought of it while we were talking is, um, shortly after I moved up here, shortly after I met you, our former teammate, Matthew Hickney, put out the, his documentary, Walking Through the Cage. Um, yeah. I thought it was awesome, especially for a self-financed, homegrown movie. That thing was, was awesome. It had you, Calvo, Josh Calvo, and Kobe Parmenter as, as the three that he followed around. How did it feel for for you to be in that movie and when Matthew talked to you about it what, I mean for me I, I would be like are you kidding me right me in your movie but I'm pretty sure that you you you, you seem like a jocular kind of guy I'm sure you probably did that too but I'm pretty sure it was also really a, a good testament and good compliment for you to be featured in that show uh, Matt uh, Matt's a cool person and um, I trusted him and he talked about it with the with the kind of passion that you the kind of passion that he talked about it with, you'd want to be associated with. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I am pretty much a, what you see is what you get kind of guy. I mean, I've, I, uh, so I, I knew that that was, you know, me and he did. Um, I, I feel that he was, you know, very respectful in the way that he, sh- you know, cause Cause he shot it all. He edited it. that thing. I mean, when you realize how that is all Matt Hickney, it is, it is incredibly impressive what he did. He, um, you know, I don't know anything about the, the movie business, the documentary making business, the, the, you know, the putting that together, but you know, especially at the time, no idea. And now, you know, now there's the, the way to take in documentaries, there's so many different avenues and streams to do that. So you get to see so many different documentaries and styles, but what Matt did with walking to the cage is something that I'm proud to be associated with. 
um, I, I think it showed me in, in a light that I'm comfortable being shown in. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I feel like he, when I say he did me a solid, I mean, I, I said the things I said and I did what I did and, and it was the way it was, um, you know, but he, you know, with editing, I'm sure he could have done, he could have made me out to be a, a, a real jackass, especially with the way that I, you know, I am. And, and he, um, he, I think he showed, uh, accurate representation and, and I'm thankful for that whether that's good or bad I mean but I, I'm comfortable with the way it went down but he uh he, Matt definitely did um put a put a lot of heart and soul into that and I and I think it showed for all three of us for for Josh Kobe and I it, it showed that you know Matt treated it like somebody that that cared and um it, it definitely came across so I mean hats off to him for, for what he did and what he accomplished and, you know, everything he's done since then as well. And so, um, going back to tournaments, your next tournament is supposed to be, it's, I'm going to say tentatively cause we don't know what's going on with things right now with the whole COVID-19 situation, but the next tournament schedule for June, is that correct? Uh, the the original release date on that is July. Okay. Um, but with the with the current state, July 11, 12 was the uh, previously announced date. But we will be shifting that. Um, okay. So I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Like I'm, I'm talking to the venue. Like literally, I was emailing the venue in the hour before this interview started, okay. uh, or before this this talk started. Um, you know, trying to get it, get it locked in and, and we will be, uh, we will be adjusting our summer date and it will be at the Tacoma Armory, but, um, we'll be, we'll be getting the word out as quickly as we can and, and, you know, trying to get the, the staff and crew locked in, but just with the, with the way that the governor is phasing things and that we, we can't, uh, we can't see that the existing July date working. So we've got to flex to to get it where we can get people a date that we believe is going to stay solid and let people, um, you know, make the adjustment. And if they can make it to the, to the date, great. And if not, we hope to see them at the next one or see them at the first date that we can because people need to get on the map, man. Right. This is, people don't have their therapy right now. <laughs> and hopefully there'll, there'll be enough time so to speak between the phase that we can start training again and ramping up to the tournament because people are gonna i mean like uh for for fosters i think we've been down since early april mid late late march early april so you're looking at three months of unless you're doing the virtual classes or you taking the initiative they're all in your garage and a lot of people are missing training with different partners and they're not going to be ready to go compete so hopefully there's enough time for them to get ready that that's part of it because with when, when the phase would, would happen where, where academies could open and things could do, we, you know, uh, I'll be honest. I think people are so ready to put on a gi and do anything, whether it's freaking go pick vegetables, uh, at the grocery store in a field or, you know, wherever. I mean, they just want to put a gi on and and feel it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, go for a bike ride. People are so ready. Hundred percent. You got that new truck? Let's see. Yeah, roll, roll that pant leg up. 
put it, <laughs> pull that pant leg up, get on there, start pedaling. So, you know, I mean, maybe gi on top, no gi on the bottom, whatever you got to do, do man. Do, right? But I mean, people are so ready. Yeah. I think people would, would sign up for the event just because it would be an opportunity to get around. And I, I really, I like the fact that for the vast majority of people that come to the event, you have, it's a, it's a positive. Like the goal is for the event to be a positive win or lose, whether your team is two people, one person, or you're part of the biggest team that comes out and support mm -hmm. that, you know, we want people to have rival rivalries, not enemies. Right. And you can be, you can be friendly with that rival. You, you know, I'm not asking you to, you know, leave your, leave your neck out or give them your arm so they can, you know, so they can catch you. But I mean, compete hard, compete fair and, you know, be good win or lose and, and just go with it from there, but have it be a positive. The thing that's happened with um, some of the people that, that like we, we do uh, some of our table staff is, uh, is a fundraiser for a wrestling team and, or a judo club, or there's different, there's been different, different people that have come that aren't familiar with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. They come to work the table. And the thing that they're always so impressed, they're like, that guy just choked that guy. And then the guy that got choked helped the other guy up. And it's like, yeah. And they shook yeah, hands and hug after the way it too. goes here. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't mad. He didn't, you know, he didn't cuss out his mom or nothing. He was like, Hey man, you got me. I'll get you at the next one. Ha ha. Right. And you know, and that's the guy that's lost four times in the finals to that guy. You know, they, they've been competing since white belt. And now they're purple belts and they know each other and it, you know, and they, they compete hard, but there's no animosity on a personal level. Yeah. They want to win. You know, the referee says combat and, and it's on and he wants to, you know, destroy that person, but he doesn't want to hurt him. He just wants to annihilate his jujitsu at that time. And when the referee says Pado, they're still friends or, you know, still friendly. Right. And the people that aren't, understanding that they they come to the event and they they're like whoa that's not what i expected yeah you know they expected everybody to be in affliction or you know whatever you want you know american fighter and to be mean mugging each other and it's like <laughs> no that's that's not what's happening here right. you know everybody here you know gets it and um and i look forward to the the event happening for the community to have that opportunity to come together like that. Yeah, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you bring that up whatever because needs to happen. I'm glad you bring that up because that's one thing that that people don't understand. It's just a big giant gathering of people who love not just jujitsu but each other. I mean, that's the one thing I love going to turn. If I'm not competing, I love being there with all my friends and everybody else I know in the community. It's great. It's awesome, and it's just fun. And people don't understand. Yeah. You, you won't appreciate it until you actually start training and go to an event or just go because you got friends and family you train as well. Yeah. It's something that, um, I didn't realize, but there's people that are thinking about, I, I it happens that, uh, a coach had mentioned it to me and I asked a couple of other people and, and it's happened where people are thinking about, um, starting to train jujitsu and, it works out where they, they've actually come to our event before they've gone to their first class to see, and they see the vibe and what's going on. And they're like, Oh no, this really is cool. Yeah. And they go and even, you know, even seeing a competition is their first ex exposure to live jujitsu. They're like, heck yeah. And then they go and they, you know, they find the academy that's close and they, and they, you know, 
make that part of their part of their life for however long they do. And um, the, the community is a freaking cool community. It, mm-hmm. it really is. And, and um, you know, for people to get together like that is going to be, it's going to be a, a really good thing mentally for everybody. And, you know, we'll pay attention to whatever social distancing needs to happen and, and work it the way that we can. But just the opportunity for, for even socially distant to bring that, that community together is something that we're really looking for. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be a, a big boost for everybody's um, mental state. I, guess. I absolutely 100% agree when, as you said, the not being normal is the new normal, at least getting back to training will be normal enough for me and my son to go train again and be with our teammates and friends. It's just going to, it's going to be a joyous event. I know it's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And so let's go ahead and wrap this up because we're, you know, we're getting long, long winded here. We, I mean, both of you, oh, I yeah. love to talk. It's been, a, it's been a great conversation, but I want to know if there's anybody out there that you want to give some shout outs, acknowledgements and kudos to, and this is the time to do it. Nah, man, it's all me, baby. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I mean, to Mr. be honest, my, my yeah, yeah, if you need me, I'll be up there humble brag and let you tell me how cool I am. But no, I mean, I appreciate you letting me just just ramble on because that's what I do. But uh, the thing that I would say is, I mean, my family. Uh, I, I'm so thankful uh, that Gina is is my wife and uh, I love her and been married for uh, a little more than 28 years. And I, you know, she still, still lights, lights up my life, man. And um She's never trained jujitsu, but she puts up with so much of this crap. And she's, uh, I love jujitsu and tolerate the people. And she loves the people part, you know, and has never done jujitsu. But I mean, she spent so many freaking Saturdays in the gym. It's like, all right, we need to go and support this person. I'm going to corner. And, you know, she's there and she's, she's done it. And, you know, I've been, I do yoga and we just, I'm thankful for my family to, to allow me to do the things that are important to me and to allow me to do the things that are important to them and, and be part of, you know, their stuff as well. Um, so it, that part of it, my, my family's the, the thing, Gina first, and then the, the three boys, you know, I've got three sons, Malcolm, Bradley and Nicholas. And, you know, they're all, they're all uh, revolutionary by birth at this point. You know, it's, you know, I can see why farm families had, had large, large families, you know, but they, uh, they're supportive sometimes, uh, because they're told to be. And a lot of times because they want to be, and it, it's really cool. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, for my family and their health and, and that, and, uh, my work, I, you know, I got a Clark Kent. I, you know, I'm, I grind it out in the IT world and, um, I'm thankful that my company is really cool about giving me the time off. I need to do the things that I do for, for the non, uh, non-work related stuff they're they're good about supporting me in that and i i appreciate that and um the community support for for what we do i mean it, it means that they're paying attention and and uh you know giving giving support to people that they feel need it so we we're really thankful for, for that and um yeah I, I appreciate your time tonight and, and thinking that uh i was worth worth talking to so thanks man yeah i 
For sure, man. We we and we, you know, we trained together, but we haven't really sat down and talked and just had a good conversation. And and I just wanted to to get your insights on a lot of different things and just how what motivates you. I, I mean, I know what motivates you, but I want to, you know, get your perspective on as to you know why you started the tournament and what was the you, you saw a need or you you saw that there was something that needed to be done because you know people weren't either doing it correctly or things were just not not as very efficient and there have been people who complained about how things are ran at the at the revolution but you, i being that i've experienced mm-hmm. other tournaments it's like you know when you go to other tournaments that are not well ran you will start to understand that this is a very solid product put on by solid people who want to make sure that people get a really good return on their investment which is whether it's their time on the mat or just being in the whole experience and ambience of being in a really incredible jujitsu environment. And I think you, you and Gina have done an awesome job with that. So thank you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. It, uh, means, it means a lot to, to know that people are seeing it that way. And so where can people find more information on Liberty events or on the revolution itself? Um, they can go to uh, leapllc.com, um, and they can look for us on Facebook. And uh, you know, we've been uh, keeping kind of uh, until we know what was going on, until we get that that date 100% locked in. We're kind of staying low because you know we don't want to give people information and then change it and then change it. Mm-hmm. So um, we should be you know making the announcement. It, once we get the date locked in, not probably tomorrow actually. Okay. But, um, you know, as far as staying up on it, they can go ahead and just go to leapllc.com and, um, that's where we'll try and keep everybody updated from there and push things out. Excellent. And I, I'm not saying this just to kiss your ass. I'm really looking forward to the next tournament so I can go out there and put some more quality videos, videos out for you and Gina and everybody else who's participated. I didn't realize how much of, of awesome feedback I was going to get some of the comments me personally that I have received was like, you know, it's great that he's got photographers out there, but it's awesome. He's got a videographer out there this time. And that meant a lot to me. And dude, what you do is sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, to be straight, dude, when the, when you first started sending like the, the, the clips and stuff, we were like, Oh shit. Like it, it is dope. What you do. It is really cool to see somebody that um, puts together their passion for photography and the passion for jujitsu to see it like it, it comes across that it's not just like um you know yeah. th- that it's not just somebody shooting it. it and we've we've been lucky that uh, 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 some of the core photographers have been with us for a long time and they train and they know that but that seeing the video shot from that perspective as well it's like you know you just you got so much mat time, you, you know how to be in the right spot. And, um, and it, it comes across like somebody that knows what they're doing. And I think it shows well of the sport and you know, yourself, what, what you do, but it shows well in the sport and that's what we're trying to do. So, I mean, we're very thankful that you're on the team when it comes to that. Well, and also I have to take advantage of the fact that unlike other tournaments where photographers have to stay, stay on the other side of the barricade, so to speak, you're giving photographers and anybody else who's out there capturing the moments full access on the mats to, as long as they don't get in the way or they don't impede on any of the, of the matches themselves, then hell yeah, I'm going to be on that mat and I'm going to get those angles that no one else is going to get because 
I don't know if you noticed or not, but there are some times where I took the, the camera and I was able to get in there from ground level as if I was laying on the mat and just circling around and just, and people were just like, dude, how did you do that? I'm like, ah, I've got my secrets and you'll see later next time you come watch tournament, <laughs> look at what I'm doing. So just a little, just little, little things like that that people were able to pick up on. They were like, dude, these videos are great. I'm like, well, I'm, a, I'm my own worst critic. I know I can do better, but given that I'm going to get more opportunities to produce more content for the people who run the tournament, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, thanks for having me back on the team and helping you guys out. I, 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 it means a lot to me. Thank you. We appreciate it. It's, uh, it's definitely cool for us. So thanks, man. For sure. All right, Jeff. Uh, thanks so much for your, for your time and, um, tell Gina, I said hello and, you know, take care of yourself and the family and, uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks much, man. Uh, good, good, uh, big hugs to you and yours. All right, man. All right. Have yourself a good night.